Your brain needs support, and new Ollie Brainy Chews are a delightful way to take care of your cognitive health. Made with scientifically backed ingredients like Thai ginger, L theanine, and caffeine, Brainy Chews support healthy brain function and help you find your focus, stay chill, or get energized. Be kind to your mind and get these nootropic chews at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y.com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well... That's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble with exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. And now, from beyond our dimension, this is the Jeff Mara Podcast. Here's Jeff. My guest is Sash Johnson, who, after her near-death experience, got rid of all of her possessions and hit the road. Sash, thank you so much for being my guest today and welcome. Thank you, Jeff. And I feel so honored that you invited me. Thank you so well, much. Well, thank you. So Sash, if you don't mind, I would say let's start on the day it happened, but I think you need to give us a little backstory. So let's start with that. It was 2008 Christmas Eve. Uh, earlier that year, I'd been having a lot of problems with my heart. I'd seen the cardiologist couldn't, no one could figure out what the problem was. But on Christmas Eve, uh, my 18-year-old daughter had come home after disappearing for five months. And my then husband was um, very anxious because Christmas was just everything to him. That was He had his OCD and he, everything had to be meticulously planned. And I had a cardiologist appointment that morning. And when I went in to the doctor, I was having severe chest pain. And I was trying to wait until after Christmas to take care of it. But the doctor said, no, you need to go check yourself into the hospital right now. Go home and grab a bag if you have to, but you're going to be there for a few days. My husband was furious and he screamed and ranted all the way to the house and to the hospital how I was ruining his Christmas. And my daughter was in the back seat crying because everything was ruined. But she was, I think she was just dealing with a ton of stress herself after coming back. Um, so my husband leaned into my face and he's very tall. He's six, five, I'm five foot. And he said, who's going to cut, cook that freaking Turkey now. And that was the kind of thing I was living with for years. Um, get to the hospital and he's angry and stumping around. And um, a nurse came in and put some, uh, what is that stuff called? Nitroglycerin, nitroglycerin patch on my shoulder and within just a couple of minutes I started I was very hot and it started sinking into the bed and I said to both of them I'm going now I love you take care of each other and 
I just felt like I melted into the bed and instantly I popped out of my body. It very much felt like I came from like, like my body had sunk and literally opened up and released me. And I was, I was nothing but a vibration and light. Uh, the vibration, it almost felt like an orb that was a vibration. <laughs> I don't know how else to describe it. And my first perception was myself laughing. And I thought, I worried about all the wrong things. I've been worried about all the wrong things. And I was laughing. I was, it seemed so funny. It seemed ludicrous that I was so concerned about the, how the table was set and was the tree perfect and not just that, everything for years. And I heard a, a tone, uh, but it didn't sound like voices. It just sounded like maybe a harpsichord or a, some, some sort of musical instrument, but beyond that. And I saw, as I was trying, I was like on my back and I'm moving upwards. I saw, uh, it looked like gaseous, like clouds. Um, and of course, the first thing I recognized was that nothing on the other side has the same color spectrum as the things on this side. I believe after now that it's because you, you're not seeing with human eyes. That there's another light spectrum beyond the spectrum that humans see with their eyes. So I see these clouds and they were changing colors with the tone, the music changing as well. So every time the, the note went up, the clouds changed to orange and then blue and these primary colors only, but such a deeper color, such a richer, it, it was all connected, right? The, the sound and the clouds and off to the left in the, in the cloud formation was an opening. And I didn't try to go to the opening. I didn't try anything. I, I just felt no pain and only joy, lightness, freedom, I'd been in a horrible marriage for 13 years. I'd had a horrible upbringing. I was 100 pounds overweight. I was in pain every day, physical, emotional, mental. And this was this realization that I wasn't in any pain now. And it was, I just, there it was so, ha I was so happy, elated, just beyond anything. So I moving, you know, up in this direction. And as I approached, I could see beyond on the other side and I'm moving slowly. And during that time, it felt like 
long period of time of just being bathed in warmth and love, peace, painless, happy. And I didn't feel sad one bit about what I was leaving behind. I, I wasn't afraid. And as I approached, I saw this depth of field that seemed limitless. And within it was these, okay. so it, the best way I can describe them was, a, have you ever seen a mirror reflecting into a mirror and it makes a particular color, you know, it was sore like that. And they were like shards of glass, just shards. They didn't seem sharp or anything. It just seemed like, like very distinct uh, shapes that were, that went on limitlessly, infinitely. There were, but there were different ones, right? They were individual. They were, they were jagged and, and it's like the whole universe. And I knew that was the universe was just full of this, these, I can't even, I have never figured out a word for what they were. It was space. It was the universe in a whole different way of seeing. And uh, as I approached and I, and I got to almost like a gateway through the clouds, I saw again off to the left, this enormous ball of light and millions of little balls of light and vibration, soul, souls, all converging into this ball of light. Now, it looked like a sun, except all the rays were going in and not coming out. And I, I felt like it was a convergence. And that's the way I described that ball of light was, this was the convergence. In that, I had grown up a Baptist, a Christian, because of a grandmother. My, my, none of my family had any religion and there was no discussion of it and it was even frowned upon. But in the moment that I saw that, I simply didn't feel any Christianity, that there was no, no, uh, nothing I read in the Bible except little bits and pieces. I knew this was the verse, the way, the truth, and the light. I had all this knowledge that the light was the remnants of my human experience. It was our humanity, this pure light that develops in the soul, the vibration. And these were all these lives going in to this beautiful convergence it, it was the way, it was the way to go there. And there was nothing to do. There was no reason to do anything because it was all being done. And as I, just as I reached the event horizon of this black hole, or I don't know, not black hole, but that's the term, you know, they use for, for a black hole. It just as you're about to, get sucked in 
Um, I was stopped there and I knew I had to go back and that I didn't have a choice. There was no one to talk to. There was no one to register a complaint. No, I, I don't want, no, please don't make me go back, you know? And I felt literally grabbed and pulled back down into that body, shoved, slammed back into that body. And I, I almost felt the bed bounce as I, as I stepped back up or woke back up. And what it was, was the defibrillator made me bounce in the bed and it started my heart again. So I'd had a sudden cardiac arrest and I was, I was flatlined uh, for two minutes, 32 seconds. On this side, it was two minutes, 32 seconds. On the other side, it had felt, uh, I, there wasn't really a measure of time, but it felt like a very long time, not two minutes for sure. As I woke um, and as the room cleared and they, you know, they had me all back to normal within you know, whatever, a few minutes. Um, and as the medical staff left the room, my husband looked at me and said, you've ruined everything in my life. And he walked out and my daughter came in and kissed me and she was sobbing. And I only have one child and, and we're at that time, well, we've always been really close and she was so scared. And I, I felt so helpless that I couldn't go with her and get out of bed and take care of her. And as I lay there all night on Christmas Eve, uh, this, from the time that we got to the hospital to the time he left was 30 minutes. All of this happened in 30 minutes. And it was 9 p.m. and he stormed out and um, I, the nurses came in, two nurses came in probably an hour later and the room was dark and they sat with me. They asked me what I saw and they were so interested. They were so intrigued. They said, we always ask anyone who has a near death experience. And as I was explaining things to them, all this knowledge was coming out of my mouth. I knew that at the convergence it became so dense with souls that it it shrank with gravity and, and denseness and that it would ultimately get so tiny, it would implode and come out the other side and no light comes out, just souls, just vibration comes out the other side. Those souls have become almost like a soup, a combination of <clears throat> all one piece of matter, yet come out the other side, many connected. It's almost as if I came back made up of pieces of two or three people and the pieces that had, that I had not lost, but that had, had I traded with another person now I was connected with those people for eternity. And I, I knew then that the people who I've connected with over this lifetime were people that I have connected with 
that I connected with in the convergence, in the implosion, we connected and we will always, every time, go back and connect and connect. And now we come out and, and the ones that I connected with, maybe five, 10 of us, 100 of us, we went back into new lives. Time and space doesn't, space doesn't exist in, the, I'm sorry, time doesn't exist in space linearly, the way we think of time. And so coming back into this life, perhaps we don't all come back in the same time. Perhaps we don't even come back in the same, if I come back in this lifetime, maybe I won't see some of those people that are in my pod uh, that are, I won't see them in this lifetime, but perhaps the next one and the next one, maybe they're dogs, maybe they're a place, maybe they become the earth. It, there was all this, this collection and connection now, prior to this experience, I graduated high school, had no college. I knew nothing about science or space. And here I was an hour afterwards explaining all of these things, understanding things that I'd never understood before. And the nurses were nodding and they were so sweet and they said, this sounds so much like what others have told us. Um, and I pondered all night long. Um, my husband brought my daughter back to the hospital the next day around 1 p.m. And I'd had enough time to really settle in, be alone with what had happened. And it scared me in a lot of ways because growing up a Baptist, you know, there's the whole hellfire and brimstone sort of thing. And um, <clears throat> I was afraid that I didn't believe it anymore, that it had gone so entirely. And I tried for two years to convince myself that what I had experienced wasn't what I had experienced. And that really the stuff I grew up with was reality. And no matter how hard I tried praying or reading the Bible or going to church or talking to pastors, I just, it was just, it was as if knowing that it's as if somebody showed me that I was really a dog and I'm trying to believe I'm a human. It's, you just know you're not, you just know and <clears throat> after two years, I decided to stop trying to force a square peg into a round hole and accept my, accept my experience as real. Well, thank you for sharing your experience. It was an amazing one. When you first left your body, did you see your husband and your daughter there in the room and then kind of floated up into the clouds? Or you just immediately went to this like cloud-like place? There was a place before the clouds and I went directly there. I, I literally just, I, I left everything about earth. It was, it was simply poof. And, but I truly felt 
the physical feeling of my chest opening up and my soul popped literally just as if my chest was holding it in all that time. Um, And there was, I felt like I moved so fast initially as if I was shot like out of a gun or something. Mm. And no, there was no looking back. And I think perhaps that happened that way because I was in such pain. I uh, Maybe my soul just needed to get out of there. So Was it like a room of light? Uh, it was actually a room of darkness. It wasn't oh, a darkness. room. There was an expanse. Hmm. And it wasn't a, a bad darkness. It was... I was open, free, dark, but I wasn't dark. I was the bright, shining, and I could see almost like a ceiling of the clouds. Mm. So I was traveling to them. And then there was the clouds were so, so, so deep. So traveled through the empty room or the empty space into the cloud space. And this took so long in my in my concept of time, I was bathed in it for hours upon hours, maybe days. It just felt like there, like I was there for so long. Do you feel like that ball of light that you would converge into is God? Um, no, I because I don't believe in the concept of God that I was taught, mm-hmm. it's hard for me to use that word about, about the convergence. It was the universe. It was, <clears throat> it was a part of the universe. It was the source of, of change. Mm. Um, when you change from one um existence to another at, at like like stars do right stars in the sky they they're so big and then they get really dense and so tiny and uh, poof they go out the other side you know they they turn into a black hole that was my concept at the time yet i knew nothing about black holes mm. or astronomy or space or anything it felt like that it, it just that was my understanding. So not God, but the universe as, as in the concept that everything is connected. We are all part of the same matter. We just don't recognize in our day-to-day lives how connected we really are. Hmm. So it's kind of like the connector, but you wouldn't say it's the source of all creation. No, it's passageway. It turns into a passageway as the light collects. It, it's a collector, and then it's a. It turns into a passageway to another, to the next existence. Was how I, I understood it. Have you ever considered or wondered about any of the people who are currently in your life? If those are people that you're connected with and will move on to the next life with, I I. At that time, I knew immediately that there had been certain people and that there will be certain people. Um, two years after my experience, I, I, had, I left my husband. I had started a new job. 
and the man I was working for was going through a divorce. I was going through a divorce. But the minute I met him to talk to him about that job, I knew, I knew he was one of those people. I had had a friend when I was younger, uh, Thomas, who we were, we were the best friends. And I knew immediately, ah, that was Thomas. My father was one of those people. Um, they're other, I have five siblings. Um, my, my parents divorced when I was young. They both remarried. The, my step-parents, wonderful people. I love them. My siblings, I knew they weren't part of that. They, they were not people that I was connected to. Um, they, it doesn't take away the love I have for them, but it, it does very much show me that we, we are not the same vibration. Um, but yes, there are many people. And then as I've gone through my life since, excuse me a minute, <clears throat> excuse me. Um, no I have met people along the way. Um, met a woman in a hotel that looked at me and said, you've had an experience. I died too. And it was amazing because she, we weren't talking about it or anything. She came up to me in a hotel lobby and she could see it on me. She had this vision that she brought back with her that she could see those people who'd had it. And, it, and that reinforced, yes, I knew this was true, right? Um, and there, after my experience, I started knowing things, lots of things. I started with dreams. I would have had dreams about people, odd dreams that were for foretelling, foreshadowing, telling, I don't know the right words, but um, I would wake up and call and or tell my husband, my new husband, Steve, oh my gosh, Steve, I had this dream about this woman and I, I'm telling him all about it. And and it, it, there was a woman and we were trying to figure out who the woman was, but it felt profoundly like I knew her somehow, that I had connected with her somehow on another plane and that she was trying to tell me things. So a year later, my, my husband and I were visiting his father who was dying and his father was showing us all these pictures in this box big box of pictures and I saw the woman and I said who is that who is that that's her Steve and he says oh that's my grandmother and it was that night she came to me without being asleep we we just my husband and I sat together and I held him she came to me and she told me things and he asked her questions that only she would know the answers and I and I told him well she he said, what did you collect when you were a little girl? And her hand comes up and she's showing me this little carved elephant. And I told him, she's showing me a little carved jade elephant. And he said, that's it. Now, how would I have known that? How would, it was, so that started with my husband, but after that, there began to be more people, strangers, um, people I know, my niece and I have that connection. I believe my daughter and I 
have that connection. So yes, there have been many people and many people I know that, no, we don't have that at all. What are some of the signs or some of the things that you notice in people that makes you feel like you have a connection with them? Okay, this is one of those things, it sounds so strange, but I can't explain it any other way. In my tooth, (laughs) in my tooth, in my jaw right here, I get a little tremor, a shimmy, a, a little vibration. And my tongue will go to my tooth and I say, that's, that's one of those people. Oftentimes that means, and then I start feeling this whooshing that comes down and my, the top of my head opens and the, and messages come through sometimes from me to them, but sometimes just to me, um, I can, I get a really good sense of people when I touch them. I I'm a very good judge of character normally. I mean, I get fooled like everybody else, but um, if I, if somebody's very bad, I can feel them walk into a restaurant. If someone is very good, I can feel them walk into a restaurant. I can work, I I do sales um, and I'll go to big like marketing networking events and as I touch people, as I go through the room, touch their shoulder, shake their hand, I can feel, I can feel them uh, and my little tooth wiggles and, and I get, I get information. It seems so weird because I'm not one of those, I've just never been someone who, I, I was raised so fundamentally as far as being what is religion and what is spirituality and what is Christianity? And boy, my grandmother, oh, she would be, she would be so upset (laughs) by this. And it felt like I was betraying her when I finally, you know, embrace this, but yeah, that's, it's the tooth. My tooth tells me. (laughs) I found it interesting when you said you were trying to convince yourself that you didn't have the NDE. Was that because you were afraid of, you know, not being a part of the religion you were raised in? Mm-hmm. Yes. And it wasn't because of the experience itself being negative in any way, other than I felt like I was going to go to hell when I died. I was so afraid. And I had I recognized I lived my life so afraid of everything. And that was one of the things that when I was laughing at myself, you were worried about all the wrong things. That's when I recognized I'd been just afraid to live my life Mm. and afraid to change and afraid of consequence, afraid of everything it felt like at that time. And I came back a person determined to fall in love, a person determined to travel determined to live my own life. My daughter was an adult now. I knew I wasn't going to stay with my husband. I tried very hard for those two years to go back to Christianity, to work things out with my then husband. And I I just simply gave up after two, two years. It was actually on Christmas Eve, two years later, that I said, I quit. I'm just done trying to convince myself that what I saw, what I felt, what I know 
isn't real. Can you tell us about how you actually got rid of everything and went on a trip? Yes. Um, my new husband, I, I, I ended up marrying the man that I was working with. His name is Steve. We connected the minute I saw him walk into, we were meeting at Starbucks for the first time. We'd talked on the phone. I called him to ask for a job. So he walks in and I saw him and I was like googly eyed. Oh my God. And he, he just, it wasn't how he looked. It was his, it was his vibration, his spirit, him. And I hung on every word he said. And to this day, to this, to this day, Oh, that was two that October 2010 when I met him. Um, I I honestly still hang on his every word. I, I want to hear everything he thinks and says. The connection was so profound. And um I just knew that I just wanted to be with him and, and keep hearing what he had to say. So we started working together and we work really well together, even to today. And he had told me about um, earlier that year, he had ridden his motorcycle up to Alaska from San Diego and back again in 30 days. And he showed me photos of Alaska and told me how gorgeous it was. And I told him I'd always wanted to travel, but my previous husband did not want to go anywhere. He had lied to me from day one saying, oh, we're going to travel. We're going to take, you know, he had a son and I had a daughter. We're going to take the kids and do this and that. And literally we went nowhere in 15 years, not anywhere with the kids. So I I was ready to change everything about my life. Um, I had my house. I had a 2000 square foot house in Southern California that was filled to the brim. My when my I went through my divorce. The husband took his stuff and left me with 18 rooms of stuff, you know. And um, my husband Steve talked to me about getting on his motorcycle and traveling. My father had ridden a motorcycle. My father had actually been part of motorcycle clubs, the kind you hear about on tv not the good kind mm -hmm. and uh, my father had a an illegal trade he did for a living i don't want to get into that but i loved my father I, I knew my father was one of those people i was connected to and all my life i've just just worshipped my father um and i want i i used to ride on the back of his motorcycle as a little girl and so I love motorcycles, but I'd never ridden one as an adult and I would never had one in my life. So I rode on the back of my husband's motorcycle and we started talking about taking a six month road trip. I had, I had rented out my house. I'd gotten rid of everything in the house. We'd moved into this little apartment in San Diego my husband, Steve, had gotten rid of all of his stuff and his divorce. He literally left with two motorcycles and his clothes and his laptop. I mean, that was it. And his pickup truck. And um, so we lived in this little apartment. And, we, and my husband, Steve, said, you know, if we didn't pay rent or cable or utilities or anything, we could probably stay in hotels and it would probably even out. And sure enough, that's that was the plan. 
But I realized that if we're both on one motorcycle, I could only carry two pairs of shoes. <laughs> and I, I like my clothes and I like my shoes. And I, I thought, well, I need my own motorcycle so I could carry more. And um, that's what I did. I, I sold my Mercedes. I sold my house. I sold everything. And so that I could get on a Kawasaki Ninja 500 with a pack on the back. And my husband had more luggage on his bike. He had a Honda uh, touring motorcycle. And um, March of 2013, we left everything behind and got on the road. I had only been riding my motorcycle for three months. I was very, very scared and didn't know how to ride very well. But I just rode behind him and watched him for thousands of miles. For the next three and a half years, we lived on those motorcycles and traveled the United States. That's great. I guess perhaps he had some type of internet business and he would just work from his laptop or something. Right. We we own a, a internet website publishing company. He publishes a lot of his own websites that I sell the advertising on. And then I, we also build websites for small businesses and I also teach small businesses how to market their business. And that was the company he had started. And I come from a print, you know, magazine background, publishing background, and I did sales and other things for the magazine, but we took those two careers and married them in a way that we could travel. And that was always his intention was to travel. And he had been married 20 years and he was coming out of a divorce and he had built his company so he could travel and work from the road. And I, you know, I just thought that was amazing. And I, I was decided, I decided that I was going to be brave. And even though things scared me, I was going to do them anyway. And the more things I challenged myself to do, the more things I wanted to try next. And so that's, what I did. It sounds like you have some psychic abilities after your NDE, like you have become a medium and you're getting downloads. Are there any other abilities you haven't spoken about? No, but that when I am, when I allow myself to embrace it, it, it becomes this wonderful, just this wonderful tool to help people along our travels. After the three years on the motorcycles, three and a half years, we bought a toy hauler and an RV, and we lived in that for another three and a half years. So we were on the road for seven years. And through my travels around the country, I um, I also went to Alaska by myself with my dog um, in a little camper. Uh, we were gone for seven weeks and it was thousands of miles. And I, I meet people and we, I, I have messages for them and it's always so spontaneous. Every once in a while, someone will say, oh, wow, that's cool. Read me. And I can, I just read what I can. And it's not something I've developed to do on demand, but there are times when I've had incredible experiences with that. And the other thing was that my, my niece, who I know I'm connected with, um, she had she had a surprise baby a few years ago and um the and the baby sophia i knew her before she was born 
And my niece would ask me, how's the baby today? And I would tell her. And uh, shortly after Sophia was born, I was sitting on the couch with my husband at a hotel watching a TV or something. And all of a sudden I had this pain in my, in my belly. And I said, Sophia, Sophia's sick. She's in pain. And I tried to call my niece and then I ended up trying to call everybody in the household. Finally, my niece called me back and I said, Sophia has a blockage in, in her, um, in her colon. She needs to go to the doctor right now. And my niece said, we've been up with her for the last 20 minutes screaming. And there was no way I could have known that. So they rushed her to the hospital. Sure enough, she had a poop ball stuck in, in her colon. And um, it, it saved her life. And there's just been these moments where I meet people and I'll ask them, do you, I'm getting like this feeling, do you wanna know? And most people wanna know. And the times I've been correct, it scares me. I, I, I would never take money for this or, or want anything for it. It's a gift. And um, I've been writing poetry all my life. I published a poetry book in 2009. I've always felt like the poetry was something that came down through me and out through my pen sort of thing. It was never, it was never something I was imbued with. It was a gift. And my only job was to take that and turn that into, to hone my skills so I could do a better job of, of writing. And that's just, this feels like that. That's the, but I don't have any other, anything else. <laughs> Do you fear death at all? I don't. I have struggled with suicidal ideations since I was a teenager. Um, had a really horrible teen years. Um, my mother, who raised me as a drug addict, um, she would bring her friends from the bar home and she would take money and they would come in my room and do what they wanted. And my mother shamed me horrendously. And that's when I started having severe depression. And um, I wanted, I wanted, you know, to hurt myself and end my life. So I still struggle with that. Um, and the, in a lot of ways, the NDE made it seem so much more inviting that it became even harder to resist that. I, when I'm in so much pain in my human life, I so want to go back to that place where there was no pain, where I was free. And it's, it's very difficult, very difficult. Well, it's a good thing you found Steve. It seems like he's a good reason to stay around. Yes. And, um, I have two grandchildren now and and then my niece's baby, Sophia, who's not a baby anymore. And my niece is actually raising my grandchildren. And so the three of them live together with my niece and her husband and, the, and their family. They have uh, three other grown kids. So um, they, they are the core of 
I feel that connection with both of my grandchildren that I talked about earlier. And I just couldn't leave them. I just couldn't leave them. They need me. How did you wind up in Oklahoma? I'm Choctaw, uh, which is one of the Native American tribes. Uh, we were, my tribe was um, forced out of their ancestral homelands in Mississippi during the Trail of Tears uh, in the 1800s. And they were relocated here in Oklahoma. And so all of Southeast Oklahoma is Choctaw Nation. And after my experience, I felt so compelled to learn more about my ancestors, about I, I about my heritage, about the spirituality that the Choctaw, you know, held long ago. Now the Choctaw Nation is a is they identify as a Christian uh, Christian nation, but. Um, I don't, I'm not interested in that. I'm more interested in the long, long past. Um, our people have been here in on in the, the Americas for 10,000 years. We've had a great long history of of other spiritual experiences long before the Christians came to the Americas and changed. Um, most of the natives in my in my family were not just forced off their land they were forced into indian boarding schools had their hair cut off uh were forced to learn christianity forced to speak english and they were almost entirely stripped of our culture and i'm so grateful that we still have retained most of that culture and we know our past and the Choctaw Nation has done an amazing job of restoring that uh, to our people. And so I wanted to come and connect with that. And after the seven years on the road, we felt ready to do something new that scared mm -hmm. us, which was buy a house with land. And, you know, we lived in a high rise luxury apartment in downtown San Diego. And now we have five acres and chickens and it's so, different and fun you know mm -hmm. it's a new life yet again all right so you have a book out called rude biker chick where can we find that book this um during my time on the road um i the, my first year i felt my father with me always and prior he had died in 1990 and i I ached for him, missed him. He, he, I felt he had died too young. And the minute I got on my own motorcycle, started having this realization that he had left me with everything I needed to know about life. He was very wise and philosophical. And every time I felt afraid and I put my hand on my accelerator, I could feel his with me. And I decided to take that experience of my connection with my father who is on the other side in some way and write my story of what I learned. I learned a great deal of just love and forgiveness. I was able to spend hours upon hours in my own head, in my own helmet, 
focused just on healing. And that's what my book is about. It's on Amazon. It's Rude Biker Chick. It's still listed with my my previous name, which is Sash Walker. Um, but you'll find it on Amazon. And it's just the story of someone talking about things that you're not supposed to talk about. Mm-hmm. There is some coarse language in the book. So um, I have a... I don't talk that much that I don't talk that angry course anymore because I've had such a spiritual experience and I've grown so much in the last, Oh, what is it? 14 years. So, um, I've feel freedom that I never knew. And this book was part of that journey and, and sharing that with others. Is this book mainly about your father and your own healing, or is it about your NDE? There's nothing in there about the NDE. Um, I've always been afraid to write much about that um, because I just, I guess that's one more thing. I'm, I, I fear that people will perceive me, in, you know, in a weird way, or I don't know. I, I got to stop thinking about it that way, but mm-hmm. um, it's about the healing that came after and the gift that was given to me by my second life. I guess I'm in my own bubble here because I talk to NDEers, you know, two or three, four times a week and all these subjects every day that it feels pretty mainstream for me. And I almost would feel like, yeah, you shouldn't be, I don't know, embarrassed or feel bad or feel weird about it because so many people apparently are now having them or at least reporting it. I mean, I'm, I've done over 200 interviews, so yeah, there's a lot of people that are out there. I had no idea that there were so many people that were talking about it and uh, until I found a group on Facebook mm-hmm. and I was so astounded that there was so much and I, I tried for such a long time to keep my experience pure by not not listening to other people's experiences and maybe tainting my own memory of mine. Mm-hmm. And I did write a little bit about my experience. I have a blog I used to write on and I haven't written on there in a long time, but I had written a brief story about my, uh, about my NDE and um, another experience about I, I was in a motorcycle accident in the snow on a highway. My father was with me and protected me. And I felt that was very connected to my NDE experience, to my, my new connection to the world. One of the things about motorcycling is that while you're on the motorcycle, you, you, it's so different than a car. You can smell everything. The air is touching you. The sun is on you. Everything, you're connected with the outside. And I became so much more connected with nature. I have a far more nature-inspired life now. Um, and it was, I had never, ever really thought of the world like that prior to my NDE, the changes in just my day-to-day life. And I lost a lot of people along the way, people who, who knew the old person that I was, and they just felt like I'd lost my mind. And um, it was, 
it was the right thing for me because I I entered into a new life. But with any new life, there's some loss and grieving, and um, so it was it was hard to turn that corner and to be open about my NDE experience and my psychic abilities afterwards. I just knew I would take so much criticism and I worried about my business. Oh, people mm-hmm. are going to think you're a kook. They don't want to do business with a kook. And um, I just really need to let go of that and, and embrace it. So this is a wonderful step for me. Thank mm-hmm. you for giving me this opportunity. I don't know that I would have done this on my own. So mm-hmm. I'm really grateful. Well, I'm grateful for you being here, and I think that you're going to help a lot of people, maybe even more than you realize, by just sharing your experience with them. Gosh, I I really hope so. I do. <laughs> you mentioned earlier that you were writing poetry. Is that part of this book, or do you have a second book, or you just write it and keep the poems, you know? It's a second book. Um, it's called Finding Christ Inside. Uh, I wrote it during the time that I was, you know, that I did believe in the Christian faith. Uh, And that's how committed I was to the Christian faith. That It was one of my deepest, most personal connections with spirituality. And that's part of the reason it was so hard to let it go. I identified with it since I was six years old. So, uh, but my poetry is called Finding Christ Inside. Uh, if you want to email me, I would happily send out copies for free. I don't sell that book. I give that book away. Oh, cool. All right. Well, um, what is your email address? And also before you give it to us, if people just want to ask you questions or chit chat with you, are you open to that as well? Certainly. Yes. Uh, my email address is sash, S-A-S-H at Choctaw websites. So it's spelled C-H-O-C-T-A-W websites with an S dot com. And you can find my other contact information online as well. I mean, I'm pretty prevalent online. We we write, we wrote a blog during our travels called Road Pickle. You can find that. Um, if there's uh you, you type in Sash Johnson, you might might find me on Google just about everywhere. So <laughs> yes, definitely. Um, I would welcome some, maybe some help writing a book about my NDE and, um, you know, sharing that with people. I would, I would really like that. That's great. Do you have anything else that you're working on that you want us to know about? Um, I have been very interested in becoming a death doula. I've mm-hmm. learned about this recently, and these are people not hospice workers. They are people who meet with people who are either well and just looking to plan their end of life. Uh, They can be ill. They can be diagnosed with something. They could be near the very end of their lives. And um, I've been so inspired to go and comfort people, help them make a plan like, what do you want what do you want to see on your deathbed? Who do you want with you? What kind of things are you afraid of in passing? Um, some of this stuff is practical. Uh, you know, how do you get a will written and trust and those sorts of things? 
how do you want to be buried uh, or cremated? I learned in Oklahoma, because Oklahoma is one of these states, that I can be buried on my own property with no coffin, no embalming, and just mm. go back into the earth. Wow. And I, that is my end of life plan now, is when I'm done with this body, put in a six foot hole and drop me in with no clothing, no possessions, because that's all part of our human life. And, and then cover me up and put my name and my, and the only word I want on my head, on my headstone is determined. Hmm. So, because I'm determined to live my life to the fullest, to do everything I set out to do. And I'd love to help people on that journey to get where they know how they want to end and comfort them. And so I've heard about this. I'm going to look into getting some information and learning about it. And maybe in five years, be a death doula. Great. All right, Sash. Well, before we finish up, can you leave us with one last positive message? That you're worried about all the wrong things. (laughs) And in your day-to-day life, the things that that seem to add up on your to-do list or the people that don't like you or people you've had conflict with, you know, you don't always have to forgive those people, but you do have to let it go. You have to just move on and live your life. You're worried about, if you're worried, you're probably worried about the wrong stuff. So uh, go take the message that the first message that was given to me Try to apply it to your life every day. Well, Sash, thank you for that message. And thank you again for being my guest. I really appreciate you and have a great rest of your day. Thanks. You too. Bye. Thanks for watching the Jeff Mara podcast. I really appreciate you. Another way to show support is through YouTube memberships. And if you do, there are loyalty badges and other perks depending on your level of membership. All you need to do is click the join button underneath the video to find out more. Thank you for your support.